Genre. Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Bill McNeil from the sitcom News Radio. And joining me for the discussion is returning guest John Dorowski. Welcome back, John. Thank you. We are talking about three episodes of News Radio, season one, episode three, titled "Smoking." In this episode, uh, Bill McNeil tries to quit smoking. It was written by Josh Lieb, Brian Isaac, or Brad Isaacs, and Paul Sims, and directed by James Burroughs, the man himself, the legend of sitcom uh, directing uh, of this particular era. Of I mean, really, okay, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, legend. 70, <laughs> 70s, he goes back to the Mary Tyler Moore show. That's true. Um, so much of the the style of this particular sitcom, uh, you, you just look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, this this feels right that James Burroughs yeah, directed this it was, episode. Uh, yeah, kind of. Th- Definitely through the 80s and 90s, if it was a big sitcom, he usually directed it. And very except, often... Except for Seinfeld. And this isn't to say they didn't have bombs, too. But Yeah, it's like yeah he was from, often brought in early on to set the tone for the yeah. for the series. And he ended up being an executive producer on many of the shows that um, he was involved in. Yeah, so it's kind of like Mary Tyler Moore through Will and Grace. If um, you've ever watched Cheers and you've seen the the, the title card that says... Uh, what, what is it? Uh, um charles burroughs charles uh i think it is oh now is it charles brothers it's two brothers and james burroughs were the creators of cheers uh mm-hmm. and he directed so many of the episodes of cheers and he like directed every single episode of will and grace he directed tons of pilots uh where they wanted him to be the man that would uh you know set the tone and style that other directors can then look at his work as a template um and this is a 90s era nbc uh studio sitcom and it's just right that he's involved here <laughs> All right. Uh, that episode originally aired on April 4th, 1995. We're also talking about season two, episode 16, titled The Cane. In this episode, Bill McNeil begins using an antique cane as an affectation. This episode was written by Brad Isaacs and directed by Alan Meyerson. That's one of those plot summaries that, like, you need to know Phil Hartman's playing the character, and you're like, okay, that could carry an A plot. Well, also <laughs> that uh, I don't, I'm not even sure that's the A plot. But it's yeah. the title of the episode. They got the title of the episode. It's where it begins and ends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's other stuff happening. But the cane is, is pretty key to that episode. The cane was written by Brad Isaacs and directed by Alan Meyerson. It first aired on December 12th, 1995. And we're also talking about season four, episode one, Jumper. That was written by Paul Sims and directed by Tom Charonis. It was uh, originally aired on September 23rd, 1997. And it tells the story of Bill McNeil trying to interview a jumper who's standing on the ledge outside of the news radio offices. Um, there is in like television and sitcom history, like there's something very specific about NBC in the nineties <laughs> and the, uh, you know, what they branded as their must see TV on Thursday nights. And then they try to, uh, also take over Tuesday nights in particular. Uh, but they're like to be a successful NBC sitcom was meant you, you were probably gonna be in the top 10 of the Nielsen ratings. Um, yes. And news radio never had quite the breakout success that cheers or uh, Seinfeld or Frasier, uh, you, know, you know, was having as being that consistent top 10, top 20 performer. Uh, but it, it is, it still feels like it fits into that milieu of, of sitcoms. Yeah. And it seems like if you talk to any fan of comedy from the eighties and nineties, 
News Radio won't top the list, but it's always an honorable mention as yeah. one, of the, one of the great sitcoms. Yeah, there's um, and some of that is there's some incredible talent that's involved in this. So Phil Hartman, it plays Bill McNeil, uh, who is, you know, the core character in all the summaries that I just read. And if you remember Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live or or from from this or from his like Simpson voices, he did a lot of Simpson voices. Uh, just when you, when you say the idea of Phil Hartman playing a blowhard newscaster, it's like, OK. <laughs> I get yeah. it, which and is a classic uh, sitcom character as well. You know, uh, Ted from Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, there's there's lots of other examples you can give of like the blowhard uh, egotistical uh, news anchors. Uh, and he just had the perfect voice for that that kind of character. Yeah. And he's you at least in these t- stories, he's paired with uh, Dave Foley as the news director, David Nelson. And Dave Foley also comes from that mm-hmm. sketch show background. He's a member of the Kids in the Hall, which is. Yeah influential canadian sketch group and uh if you don't i mean he has one of those voices that again is it like creates a character as soon as you hear dave foley foley's voice he was the voice of uh uh flick in a bug's life mm-hmm. uh you know the the, uh, the an early pixar film uh and he also has like just that comedy pedigree where it's like oh <laughs> and so many of these people uh like when you uh uh, uh, Stephen Root uh, playing Jimmy James is just the the perfect spice for a lot of comedy. Uh, again, in like the way that his his voice is able to do some of the line deliveries is really really good. Uh, and Candy Alexander as Catherine Duke, I was like looking up some of her history. I'm like, oh, she's done so much. Yeah, um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of these actors on their later productions have been nominated for award acting awards. Um, so was, like this was the breakout for several of them, mm-hmm. but they've gone on to great things. <laughs> And there's also like it is a very eclectic mix. So you have Andy Dick playing a character who is just like imagine an Andy Dick character. And you're like, OK, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> yeah. I know who, who that well, is. Imagine Andy Dick, but tone it down a few notches and you have his character. But still, it just feels like Andy Dick. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and also, I mean, this uh, one thing that that has definitely changed is Joe Rogan is on the show, uh, you know, acting in, in a sitcom. It, Joe Rogan is a loaded political figure now <laughs> um, yeah. with, with his, his, uh, ex- I mean, extremely successful in terms of listener, uh, his podcast, uh, that sometimes, you know, edges into territory that let's just say is controversial. Uh, <laughs> and, and so it, it's like a, a different flavor to go back and see this Joe Rogan with everything that Joe Rogan, that name means now, um, you yeah. know, compared to him being, you know, probably eighth on the cast list. <laughs> Yeah, uh, of news radio. Um, all right, well, let's run through uh, a little bit. Uh, so this show ran from 1995 to 1999, uh, which is a good run, but not a great run. Uh, like the, the biggest sitcoms of that era were usually going for about a decade. Um, and tragically, this one was cut short by uh, Phil Hartman uh, was was killed uh, in a in a. a homicide uh suicide uh his wife shot him and then uh she she killed herself uh and that was uh i believe in between the fourth and fifth season um and so his character i mean they they uh the character bill mcneil they say died of a heart attack in between season four and five and john lovitz is brought in as a new character that'll be the third character that he plays Mm -hmm. um on on news radio and he's brought in as um i mean i don't want to say like to fill to fill the void and john lovett says like the only reason i did this because i was such good friends with with phil hartman uh and he would have wanted the show to go on so that's why i'm here (laughs) is to try and help the show go on Um, he's in one of the episodes that we're going to discuss and you could tell they just have a rapport 
yeah, they were they were they were on SNL uh, at the same time, and they really did seem to be like just good friends and great comedic duo. Uh, the the uh, kind of neurotic manicness of John Lovitz with the uh, sardonic bombast <laughs> of, of Phil Hartman just pairs so 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 greatly together. Um. All right, so yeah, like I said, uh, 97 episodes in those five seasons. I'm just going to run through the rest of the cast. We've mentioned several of them already. Dave Foley plays Dave Nelson. He's the news director for uh, this AM news radio station in New York City. Phil Hartman is a news anchor, Phil or Bill McNeil. Uh, Mara Tierney is producer Lisa Miller. Uh, she won a bunch of awards recently, didn't she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I, I saw her name. Yeah. I was like, oh, right, from, from news radio. Um, Candy Alexander is news anchor Catherine Duke. Vicky Lewis is the secretary, Beth. Andy Dick is, uh, you have him listed as a reporter. Was his job to be a reporter? I can't, I literally that, can't remember. That's what, I, it, yes, but this is one of those workplace sitcoms where we don't focus on the work. Yeah. Like I could not tell you what Andy Dick does in this office. <laughs> so yes, he is a reporter. We don't see him doing a lot of reporting. Yeah. Name, name Matthew Brock. And that's another one where like, um, I, I know Phil Hartman's character is Bill McNeil. Just the way he says Bill McNeil. Like that's just stuck in my head forever. I, for a thousand dollars, I'm not being able to tell you Andy Dick's name, uh, character name. Cause it's just Andy Dick on screen to me. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan is the electrician and handyman, Joe Gorelli, uh, which like, it feels like one of those roles where it's like, would this be a person walking around a small news radio office every single day? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is partly where uh, producer Andrew would have been helpful because he did work at a news radio station mm-hmm. as an intern and would have been able to say how ridiculous the setup was. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Root is the station owner, Jimmy James. Uh, Jimmy James. Is it Jimmy James or Jimmy Jameson? No, no it's Jimmy James. Jimmy James. And then Johnny Johnson comes in as a writer. Yeah, that's, right? that's in the fifth season. But yeah. And it's one of those names where uh, like you could call him Jimmy, but Jimmy, but you really just want to call him Jimmy James. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's the the cast that we have on this edit. Uh, it will vary a little bit. Like I said, John Lovitz is going to come in uh, as uh, a, a new character in the fifth season. And I, I believe Candy Alexander, her character leaves in the fourth season. Yes. Um, and comes back to say farewell to, to uh, Bill McNeil. Yes, she uh, the start of the she left because as a sitcom in the nineties, she didn't want to stick around as the token black person. <laughs> She um, felt that yeah. that that had been played out in her character and wanted to move well, on to other things. Well, I will just say, in like in the three, so at some point, I have definitely watched every episode of News Radio. Uh, like I couldn't tell you the plots or, or ebbs and flows of them, as well as I had some other sitcoms. Uh, but these three, like as soon as I was back into watching these three that you had recommended, uh, I remembered all of them. I don't think I couldn't tell you one thing your character does in any of these episodes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in these three. Um, so I understand her wanting to go to you know somewhere else where her acting would be uh more challenging than what she was called upon to do in this which is often react to phil hartman saying something very funny yes um do you uh you you wrote down a little bit of trivia about this do you want to share that sure so as you mentioned uh the show never got the same ratings as other comedies on nbc and that might be because it had 11 time slots over the five years it was on Oh, and I just want to throw out Friends for this era of NBC yes, sitcoms. Somehow I didn't mention that one. That's probably the biggest one that I didn't mention. So yeah, yeah Friends is is you know, part of this uh, NBC. Uh, just the just it, it, I I for modern audiences with streaming and options where everyone's watching something different on a different service every night. It is really hard to capture 
what it was like for NBC sitcoms, you know, to be on an NBC sitcom in the 90s. Well, I just know that right now uh, CBS has a show called Ghosts uh, based uh-huh. on the excellent BBC uh, series. And they are so proud of it being a ratings hit with 8 million viewers. <laughs> And which, which in the nineties, I remember, uh, there would be trial shows that were put between the hits. So like they would air, uh, one of their hits like friends at, uh, uh, eight o'clock and then Seinfeld at nine and whatever show got the eight thirty slot was like the trial one. Like, can this show become a hit? Uh, because you know, people are just going to leave it on our station to go from friends to Seinfeld. And those shows would be canceled if they were getting like 25 million viewers. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, they, Oh, they're, they're, they're not pulling in enough. I, I, that's exactly right. I wanted to show that contrast that CBS is so proud of this hit with 8 million viewers right now. And 30 years ago, that would not have made a blip on their ratings. Oh yeah. It, it would have, it would have been canceled so fast. If a show premiered with 8 million viewers, it's like, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, yes, it does seem like someone over at NBC had it out for the, for the show. Um, and in 1997, when news radio was at one point facing cancellation, creator Phil Sims gave an infamous unfiltered interview to Rolling Stone in which he, uh, and bad mouth the NBC leadership, uh, and somehow the show was still renewed. <laughs> yes. I, and I will say, um, I've done a lot of research on some sitcoms in that era, Lots of people had some issues, even though NBC was creating some juggernaut hits. The producers were not always happy with NBC. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Phil Sims in particular did not get, like getting notes from uh, the executives uh, and basically would do the opposite of anything they asked. So <laughs> the big one was that um, Dave and Lisa, the, so the news director and the producer, uh, have a romance and NBC wanted to be the new Sam and Diane, that this uh-huh. would be a long-term will they, won't they. And Phil S- Sims said, no, they'll get together on the third episode. <laughs> and that's it. There you go. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's more about the, can the, the relationship survive this workplace dynamics uh, mm-hmm. instead of, oh, will they, won't they. Yeah. Um, but that uh, incident was then used as a premise for an episode where Dave uh, badmouths the um, – the radio station uh <laughs> to a reporter <laughs> bad, and, bad mouse jimmy james yeah and so they, like they did take that and turn it into a story on the show right. um and at the end of the fifth season in the final episode it did set up a new premise if it had been renewed for a sixth season where it was seen the crew take over jimmy james new rural community radio station and move out of the city yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit uh, right before we started recording. You said, like, it is definitely a, a period piece when an AM radio station would, you know, be the, <laughs> uh, you know, commanding media presence uh, anywhere, especially, yeah. you, know, the, you know, New York City. But the idea that like, this would be a, uh, you know, the storylines that are happening here are, are going to be addressing something of, of such significance that, it, you know, awards a TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like this is. It, it is kind of a snapshot of a specific moment in time where uh, AM radio was uh, an influence in society. And, and more people found yeah. out breaking news. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah. You know, that, that was, if you were at your workday, you weren't going to be getting the newspaper, which is the other place you found breaking news. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't and, watch and the, TV. Television, so. Well, television news wouldn't be coming on till, till you know, uh, that, that dinner window uh, for mm-hmm. your local news. Uh, and so, like, this, there was... Uh, 
an importance to, you know, this is scum, but there's importance that this is where people are literally going to find out things that are happening. There's nowhere else yeah. <laughs> that this is going to happen right now. And I will say, I also think, uh, you know, well, we'll get to some of the very, uh, one of the episodes, very specific time capsule type things, but also their fashion, which mm-hmm. uh, overall, I liked how everyone looked, but it was these big ties, uh, worn short. The j- uh, jackets were a little large. Yes. Yeah. That's one thing that uh, when people uh, like I've shown some people episodes of Frasier. One thing they always comment on, it feels like is I was like, those suits look too large for them. Like it was the 90s. That was literally the style. Like yeah. everyone was wearing the suits. that so, look yeah, too large like, now. You, that's one of the nice things about this is we do have this documentary evidence of go back and say, <laughs> yeah, this is what the fashion looked like. <laughs> but also, um, besides being that time castle, I do want to say like it felt really good to go revisit a classic studio sitcom filmed in front of mm-hmm. a studio audience with the the three or four camera setup uh, of, you know, you've got your uh, two to three spaces that an episode is going to take place in, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, which the, the shift is now to uh, single camera uh, on location shooting, no studio audience, which is great. There's been some great, brilliant shows that come out of this, but I really liked going back and revisiting uh, this this period. It's a fantastic set. That probably has no bearing on the reality of a news radio station. Yes. <laughs> so it's the in the in the background you have the booth and it's raised up uh, a couple of feet above the news floor, where it's just this loose collection of desks, um, with no uh, partitions. Uh-huh. Everyone, you know, just, everyone just has a desk, and then you have the break room and the director's office, which. It's very large, I felt. Oh, a huge office yeah. uh, where space seemed to be at such a premium. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like, it, like I said, uh, producer Andrew could probably uh, explain how unrealistic this is for a, new, for a station. Uh, but uh, uh, for television, it looks fantastic. Yes. All right. Well, before we get to the summary of these three episodes, we want to thank you for downloading this episode and listening to our podcast. We especially want to thank any of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we aren't yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And we are also giving updates on our 2023 fantasy box office and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. All right, John, you were kind enough to write out the summaries for these episodes, so I'll let you take it away. All right. So season one, episodes four, smoking. Once upon a time, people used to smoke indoors in public buildings and on airplanes. Just speaking of period pieces. Just yeah, just freely smoking. Uh, then we learned the dangers of secondhand smoke, and they made laws against that. As this episode opens, Dave Nelson explains that they are now a non-smoking building. Bill McNeil, who zones out unless his name is mentioned, promptly lights up. When Dave informs him that the fine is up to $100, Bill takes out a wad of cash from his pocket and just pulls off a $100 bill. And Dave explains that that is not how it works. Bill then reads the memo and points out that they are required to have a designated smoking area. After Bill first suggested it should be a mobile 10-foot radius around himself, (laughs) they set him up next to a blustery open window. That night, Dave catches Bill smoking again and offers to support Bill's efforts to quit by giving up coffee. Dave says that his habit is two or three pots a day, four on a Monday. The next morning, already feeling withdrawal, uh, they yell at Matthew in a wonderful zero to 60 scene where they just, uh, you know, they're just 
talking to each other and commiserating and Matthew comes in and they just go right up to yelling. Uh, Bill's withdrawal results in him delivering the news in a flat monotone, much to the annoyance of Jimmy James. Dave has gotten a prescription for the new nicotine patch, telling his doctor he's thinking of taking up smoking, which he then gives to Bill. Bill has a reaction which lands him in the hospital overnight, which he afterwards reveals that he had been wearing 15 patches like a belt around his waist. After Bill comes back with his hair ruffled from the smoking area, Dave admits that he had an espresso that morning, and they bond about being losers. The episode ends with the solution uh, being to seal the broadcast booth in as a new smoking area. Um, I will say that on these summaries, I am focusing on the uh, Bill plots, and it's really Bill and Dave plots uh, as they butt heads. Um, so you can still go in and in, you'll have surprises on the B and C plots. Yeah. So season two, episode nine, The Cane. Bill comes in with a walking stick, which Dave says is an obvious affectation and bid for attention. Even after Bill, in a great bit of prop work, uses the cane to give directions and proceeds to use the cane at every opportunity. Coming out of the booth, Bill finds his cane missing. Bill, with outrage, accuses Dave, who denies taking it. The next day, Bill comes to apologize, but what he really wants is to search Dave's office, including picking up a couch with Dave on it. Bill recognizes that his cane is lost, but as he leaves, notices that Dave steps in front of the window. As Bill rushes to see if the cane is on the ledge, Dave finally admits he stole Bill's cane. Dave retrieves the cane and breaks it over his leg. Recognizing that this battle of wills will continue, Bill has several canes thrown in, one at a time from offstage. Here's one you can break now. This one you can break later. Here's one for the Haptons. This one I like, I keep. This one displeases me. And he throws that one back out yeah. the door. I don't know how Phil Hartman and Dave Foley kept a straight face as these canes were flying in and Bill was capture- catching it perfectly and uh, placing it somewhere so his hand was free to catch the next one yeah. that came flying this is, in. Uh, this was a great example of uh, Phil Hartman's prop work and um, how, how well he could perform with an object. To, you know, just take a cane and you almost improvise a scene where like, when he gives directions, it's like, let me... Like you need to go down three floors. Let me tap the floor three times. And then you go this way and go that way, pointing with the cane. All right. So season four, episode one, the jumper and uh, trigger warning on this one. The jumper is not treated as suicidal in this story. He is using yeah, the, the threat of a... jumping as leverage to get yes. his on the radio. So um, we just want to make everyone aware of that. There's, there's no acknowledgement of mental health concerns at all no. uh, in this episode. No. Dave arrives at work to discover a man standing on his ledge getting ready to jump. Dave calmly exits. His secretary, Beth, cannot call 911 because the electrician, Joe, is rewiring the phones for speed dial. Lisa and Catherine are using their phones to talk to each other. Matthew dials 411. After Dave is able to talk to emergency services, Bill calls them back to tell them that was a prank so that he can talk the jumper off the ledge live on the air. Bill, in a climbing harness and rope, forces his way out to talk to the jumper Mike on the ledge. After clipping a safety harness to Mike, they are allowed to go on the air. But Mike drops his notes and goes after them, taking Bill with him. Now dangling 13 stories up, Bill is ready to be reeled in. But Mike has brought a pair of scissors, as a former Boy Scout he has prepared, and threatens to cut the rope unless he can read his statement. 
Dave and Lisa prepare a kill switch to turn off the signal if the statement gets too weird. Mike begins telling that he was recently fired, but does not blame his supervisor or coworkers who claimed he was hostile, but rather the company owner, Jimmy James. The signal is cut. In the office, Jimmy James is splayed across the desk, having leapt to hit the kill switch before Dave and Lisa, whose hands were hovering over the switch, could move. This is a great example of comedy in the cut where uh, you're you're outside on the ledge and then it cuts to like the action having taken place and we just see Steven Root lying across the desk with his hand uh, on the on the button but, like like the action is taking place and imagining that action is funnier than if we could anything that they could have actually physically done yeah and uh Lisa's reaction of just shock of I've never seen you move so fast in your life <laughs> um so Lisa comes up with a plan to save Bill and promote the station by having Jimmy give Mike his job back but Mike won't trust anyone unless they were a Boy Scout. They lower a very nervous Dave down, and Mike, now convinced, allows them to be brought back in. Jimmy publicly offers Mike his job back, and then four security guards prepare to take Mike to Siberia. As Dave and Bill lie flat on their backs in the office, Bill says the only thing that would feel better is going downstairs, getting outside, and lying flat on their backs on some cold, hard New York asphalt. And they start crawling towards the door. I do enjoy Phil Hartman and Dave Foley uh, doing scenes together. Yeah, and the, um, most of the in these episodes, most of them are about the stories are the two of them. And like I said, there are B and C stories actually. Joseph and the um, in the cane, uh-huh. they have a scene in Jimmy James' office, and a secretary comes in. Did you recognize the secretary? No, it is Jane Lynch. Wait, what? Yeah, well, it had to be one of her very early roles, barely a speaking part. Well, yeah, I, I had no idea. I, I did, when I was looking some stuff up about it, I did see that there was some on this where like uh, the Kenny Alexander character is played by a different actress in the in the pilot, which I haven't watched yeah. the pilot in so long. I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, so oh, um, I had no idea. And they, well, and like uh, John Lovitz appeared three times. This is the second of his third characters. But there were others who they uh, actors who they had on multiple times as well, uh-huh. in well, different roles. Yeah, with uh, a lot of this does feel like you can feel the sketch comedy energy that is Dave Foley and Phil Hartman's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and John Lovitz, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure Kenny Alexander and Andy Dick must have come up through, and Laura, like so many of them must have come up through Groundlings or Second City uh, or Kids in the Hall, you know that. Um, that the idea of someone coming in and just playing a different character doesn't feel transgressive at all. <laughs> it's just yeah. part of what you do. Well, also <laughs> that was a thing of the time of television. The time period is um, at this point, the show wasn't guaranteed syndication. Didn't know if anyone was going to see it again. So yeah, bring the, the person in again to play a different character. Who's going to know? <laughs> yeah. Um, when I talk about Frasier often, like one of the first things that just has to be said is like, well, David Hyde Pierce is a reason that this show is so good. Uh, you know, like there's a, a particular actor and a character and that match is so important to what makes the show work. And with news radio, it is Phil Hartman and Bill McNeil. Uh, yeah. Like 
I, if I was going to go through and like give ratings of, of episodes of news radio and say like, why, why is this one getting such a high rating? I, I'd kind of say, well, Phil Hartman yeah. <laughs> is, is the reason why this particular episode is going to get a high rating. Well, uh, like the Kane episode, you said it's not even really the a, a plot, but that last scene with the Kane's coming flying in and his physical uh, uh, timing or, or physical comedy uh, of doing the catches and the tosses, but then also just the timing in which he delivers his lines and is able to get his hand free. It is a masterclass of, doing this and and not cracking and uh you know breaking down into the you know uh breaking down in laughter during the scene he's amazing uh in this well he's great at doing the extremes of motion he can go from calm to angry back to calm very quickly yeah and this as far as um comedy i would say this one feels a little bit more caricatured uh like mm-hmm. like broader than some of the other sitcoms of the era yeah uh, and i i think that's one of the reasons it never quite got the popularity and without Phil there also uh, it just became broader instead mm-hmm. of uh, more comedic and that you know, you could just feel them losing focus uh, on what to do in these stories. Even by the fourth season, they, they were trying all these different things to keep the story interesting. Uh, yeah. I've been uh, definitely uh, by the watching season, or uh, I've been watching for the first time wings, which is another nineties mm-hmm. era sitcom. Uh, and uh, a lot of the same creators and uh, the creators of that had come from Cheers and a lot of them would be going back uh, over to work on Frasier and they created wings like while Cheers was still on the air. Um, and it's it does have uh, a more grounded feel <laughs> than <laughs> than news radio Yeah. Um, in terms of like each one of these characters is a, a real person. I mean, they, they have a mechanic named Lowell who's who's played as kind of like the the bumpkin kind of mm-hmm. character that's like, okay, is is there actually a functioning adult who's this dumb? Uh, you know, might be as close to a character that we get on Wings, but on News Radio, like there are several characters that are like Beth and the Andy Dick character and uh, Bill McNeil. Like like these are just uh, you know, broad comedic, like very funny. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to say they're not funny, but it doesn't feel grounded in a reality of a work what a workplace would actually be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, but when it comes to like Phil Hartman, like, I don't care that he's playing a cartoon character. This is why he voiced so many great characters on the Simpsons is because he's so good at playing the, the kind of broad cartoon character. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, the jumper is one of my favorite episodes of television mm-hmm. and watching again for this, like just the density of jokes they're able to put in one episode on that one, which I, they didn't really ever reach that peak again, but like yeah. just that one, so many jokes they were able to put in. Well, in a variety of styles. So there's yeah. um, verbal humor. There's the the humor in the in the editing, where like the cut with the the Jimmy James leap across the deck that we've mentioned. But there's also um, uh, Matthew and the Andy Dick character goes down, and they tell him to like catch anything that falls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at first, they show him like bobbling everything like he catches absolutely nothing uh and then there's a cut of the guy uh like later on in the episode to the point where like you've kind of forgotten that he's down there he drops the scissors and then it does a cut down to <laughs> to matthew uh, on on the on the street looking up and he just closes his hands and perfectly catches the scissors and him actually doing that perfectly after bobbling everything else is so funny and the crowd like just that's gathered around him reacts with cheering uh <laughs> that, that he caught this and it is i mean speaking of this the characters being uh, caricatures like this plot is obviously a a caricature of like a real nothing that happens in this episode could ever happen in real life yeah like there's no premise doesn't work at all yeah there's no Uh, sense of urgency about getting the jumper in there's no way emergency services wouldn't come yeah exactly like there's a a point later on where uh after bill's out there with uh mike they have a news conference in the lobby 
talking talking to other news stations about the jumper. I was like, yeah, and where's the police in this? Where's the fire department? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just kind of have to accept that for this show, for this narrative world, this is what we're at. And if you can do that, it, you, you can find all that comedy, and it's great. Uh, but if that's something that's going to bother you, or it's like this is this is pretty divorced from reality, even as like the presentation of is it, you know we're supposed to accept that this is a news radio station in New York City. Uh, <laughs> if it, you know you you need to do a little uh, bit of work to get into the the tone of of what we're being presented. And I think there's a lot of very sharp writing that we see in these episodes. Like you said, we we're finding comedy in a lot of different styles. There's great verbal uh, wordplay that's happening, and some really strong performances that are coming in. Um, John Lovitz is an actor who I, I found in general, I prefer in small doses rather than mm-hmm. large ones, but him carrying this plot with, with Phil Hartman. Great. Uh, this, this was exactly what I need from a John Lovitz, uh, appearance, uh, on a, on a show. Yeah. Um, and I think part of what anchors Phil as, um, a center of the show and it's really him and Dave are as, as the centers, uh, they had the biggest careers before show and so they had the most experience Stephen root had been a, a character actor for many years but this was also his first uh consistent role um but bill and dave butting heads uh was always going to work because it's that partly it's that workplace dynamic you have the boss and someone who thinks they know better than the boss mm-hmm. uh going at heads on these topics but um also there you know there was a sense of respect. And I think particularly, you know, we're talking about the show as this time capsule. There's another element to that, that uh, Dave Nelson was an outsider coming to the station. Uh, he was from Wisconsin. And if you did that now, it would be all about politics. It'd mm. all be red state, blue state stuff. Right. And they, none, nothing like that exists. Dave comes in and he adjusts to the city and his job within the first episode. Um, there's no, like they sometimes joke about him coming from, wisconsin but it's not a consistent joke it's not bullying and you know, it's just one of the things of you look at that it's like it was so different then <laughs> than it yeah. would be now if they tried to do the show and uh I, I think the one thing that really works well with the uh dave and bill dynamic is that phil hartman is such a larger like physical presence mm-hmm. than dave foley dave foley's a small man right yeah. <laughs> you know yeah he so looks they do make jokes about that <laughs> yeah and uh we as you said like he dave Nelson, the character, is the boss, and Bill McNeil is kind of the uh, you know the bully that's trying to get his way. Uh, most often, not <laughs> not yeah. succeeding. Uh, you know, yes, he gets his smoking area, you know, in the booth from everywhere else, but he doesn't get what he wanted of like basically free reign to still keep smoking uh, everywhere that he wanted. And, and I don't think we really ever see him smoke again. Uh, no, he does, he does <laughs> smoke on the jumper. Oh, okay, where, where that's right. He's out, he, uh, at one point just lights up. <laughs> Yeah, try to put Mike at ease. Let me smoke yes, this cigarette. Yes, try to make this look ledge. casual. Just, yes. hey, ran out to you, ran out, ran into you out here in my smoking spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and so that you know that is a classic like visual comedy dynamic of uh you know the the smaller person uh being the one with more power and authority uh you know in, in this situation and they they work really well together. Um, mm-hmm. and again just. Phil Hartman's line readings and and the quality of his voice as he's delivering these lines, it you could hear this voice as a, a radio voice, you know. Yeah. Uh, and again, it it really does remind me of the character of uh, Ted on Mary Tyler Moore. You know, the mm-hmm. egotistical news anchor that just uh, even when they're not in front of 
a microphone, they're doing their news anchor voice and trying to give everything that they say a certain gravitas, you know, as, as they go through their line readings. Uh, and it works so well. Yeah. And the contrast with Ted, which is the natural contrast for this character of uh, McNeil is Ted was also an idiot. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Whereas Bill is savvy, but he has uh, the fragile ego. Uh, He wants to be loved. He'd settle for being feared. And uh, that's why you get these great outbursts. Um, But he, he does kind of want to be the center of attention. And if he's not, he's going to do something to become the center of attention. Whether and it's then, whether it's carrying a cane or going out to talk a jumper off. Or uh, in smoking, we get a little bit of that. Uh, Dave is the boss, but there's a boss above him. Yes. Uh, you know the the Jimmy James character who will sometimes undermine Dave's authority in the office. Yes. Are there any of the uh, the characters that you particularly want to highlight as we talk about news radio? It's an ensemble cast. There's a lot of characters, actually, for uh, yeah. I mean, thinking about this era, you have Seinfeld, with that, which has four characters. You've got uh, Frasier, which has uh, basically four characters. <laughs> You've got, uh, I guess, five characters on Frasier. You've got uh, Friends, which, you know, has four characters. This one has a pretty Friends big cast. Joseph, Friends has six characters. Which ones were you forgetting? Oh, uh, I've not watched Friends. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I think Seinfeld is still in my head. Yeah, six characters. I know. Uh, so you know, six, five, and four. Uh, you know that—that's what we have uh, with some of the biggest shows of the '90s. And then this cast has, uh, let's see, Dave, Phil, uh, Mara, Candy, Vicky, Andy, Joe, and Stephen Root are basically gonna be appearing in in every episode as series regulars. That's eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And you understand why, you know, maybe Candy Alexander is going to leave because it's really hard to give eight actors meaningful roles to play consistently yeah. in a, in a what ends up being about a 22 minute story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of the other where the, if you've forgotten where the question was, it's like yeah. any of these characters you yeah. want to highlight. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was getting back to. Okay. Um, the other one that's, uh, I think, a real standout is Jimmy James mm-hmm. as this. Um, kind of mysterious owner who is always around um like what does he actually do yeah. is, is a lingering question <laughs> yeah like how is he actually rich um and he like just mysterious will pop up and he could give uh some wisdom he could uh undermine dave he could say something stupid you just kind of never knew exactly what he was going to do next uh-huh yeah, he, he's kind of a, a trickster figure. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's just going to come in and move the plot along uh, with an absurd demand uh, or, uh, you know, just kind of magically coming in and, and doing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would sometimes would just suddenly be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he is great. And again, um, there's something about the the line readings that Stephen Root can yeah. give that's and- like, how has he not been a sitcom staple? Yeah, uh, before and after this, and it feels he, like he should always be in sitcoms. He's uh, part of what makes him great is he's not trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. He is playing it straight. Uh, his character, could, you know, a lot half the time is kind of serious, but because of how he interacts with everybody and how he delivers the line, it becomes funny. Yes, and I, I think um, maybe again a reason that Candy Alexander is going to leave. I do feel like the broader comedy uh, or, or the meteor com- comedic lines and deliveries are going to be given to the men. And a lot of what candy and 
um, Mara, Tierney are going to be asked to do is is to give like deadpan reactions to absurd things that are coming out of yeah <laughs> you know Phil Hartman's and, mouth or Stephen Root's mouth yeah so they're uh, which be- Dave Foley does have that as well but he also is positioned as the center of the uh, of the action so much that he he you know he's often carrying a storyline and not just reacting yeah and I think you're right with the women they're more often um, progressing the story than getting the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even uh, like Beth, uh, the uh, Vicky Lewis character, like when I think back on having seen all 90 whatever episodes of News Radio there are, what I can imagine her doing is sitting at the desk, holding a phone up to her ear, cross-legged and, and making some sort of absurd, absurd reactionary face yeah, to something or that some, someone else has or done. Or some cynical comment. Yes. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I can envision uh, for her. Yeah. Um. Let's see. For these episodes, is there a, like they're all funny and they're all, you know, the, the plot lines that we're talking about are all rooted in kind of a premise that, uh, you know, OK, Phil stops smoking uh, or sorry, Bill stops smoking <laughs> Bill, or uh, Bill well, gets a cave. OK, well, actually, the uh, storyline of uh, Bill stopping smoking and Dave stopping drinking coffee was based on their real lives uh-huh. of trying of trying to quit these addictions. So yeah. <laughs> you can mix those up. And uh, and Bill, like, trying to interview a, a jumper, like, they, they, these do feel like sitcom, like, plot lines <laughs> that, that were being given. Oh, the, uh, the cane, definitely. Like, I don't know who came up with that. It was, it was just uh, how many jokes can we get out of this premise? But also, it feels like sitcom plot lines from this era, whereas, like, when you try to describe some of, like, Arrested Development, like, there's not really like that simple here's the plot it's like just this interweaving of absurdity uh you know that's going on and you know different threads of strangeness that are going on with the different characters whereas you know there's something that's kind of uh succinct and straightforward mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to what we're getting in the in uh in these and i laughed out loud at every single episode but is there anything more there that you can that you can find uh, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. Like, like, is there is there thematic heft? Is there is there weight to any of these, or is it just we're giving a great comedic actor a meaty comedic thing to do for 22 minutes, <laughs> and it's gonna be a through line over here? I kind of think there has to be something since they got almost 100 episodes, getting that magic number for syndication. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned that the jumpers is for you one of the greatest episodes of you know sitcoms. <laughs> like, I mean, you're gonna start listening to your favorite sitcom episodes. That's gonna be up there, and I thoroughly enjoyed it um but i am a little bit left with like is the is one reason why this kind of got plugged and played around nbc's schedule and never quite found as strong an audience as some of the others is that there's it's it's, it's, it's harder it's to find a, a funny yeah. but is there is there more depth to it yeah it's harder to find a center whereas frazier you have a real emotional core with the yeah. family and even friends, you, you mm-hmm. know, there's there's uh, some propulsive action that's driving all, you know, th- that series with the the uh, will they won't they, uh, you know, th- you know that so, some of those uh, like long running things, yeah, that are gonna come. Whereas, uh, and I, 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 I don't want this to come across as criticism because I think there's real value in having an encapsulated 22 minutes that you just turn on when you're tired and and, and laugh out loud a couple times and turn it yeah. off. And, and, that, <laughs> and that is really kind of is until the fourth season, uh, really just reset. Every episode is like you come in, you can come in and leave every episode and nothing will have changed. And that's, it's kind of a lost art form. Yeah. Uh, and it's, there's a comfort to it mm-hmm. of escapism of the idea that the um, world could get disordered and then put back together within 22 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do, I do like that. And I, I, I'm worried that this is going to come across as like as like criticism, like like everything has to have absolute depth, uh, you know, or 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 real thematic uh, through line for it to be, uh, you know, worthy of praise. And I I think news radio is great. Uh, uh, I it it really accomplished what it was trying to do. I think in these episodes, well, what it, it's trying to do is to get you laugh out loud very often at Phil Hartman's comedic <laughs> genius. Yes, I think <laughs> there is uh, some more thematic heft than that, uh, and that it's a workplace sitcom at a time when the workplace sitcoms were not the norm mm-hmm. um and so it was doing different lifting there uh um but yeah like in that case you would then co- then compare it to the office uh but that's a little bit like a- comparing apples and oranges yes because by mm-hmm. then we were shifting into the single camera uh location shooting instead of the studio audience uh three or four camera yeah um so and I- also i was gonna say it is it in season five when we get the the um johnny johnson storyline yeah where it starts to get really absurd mm-hmm. because that, yeah in that storyline jimmy james is accused of being uh oh who's the hijacker from the uh, 70s db cooper db cooper yeah because they had to tie in with a miniseries event on nbc called the 70s so they had to i start, had no idea that's I, where, where that came yeah. from uh yeah it was <laughs> Some weird stuff. <laughs> and, uh, Corporate Synergy has been responsible for some very strange uh, products. Well, there's uh, a, <laughs> a, one of the other examples of how the Phil Sims resisted studio notes was they, um, NBC was going to broadcast the film Four Weddings and a Funeral, which apparently was going to be a big broadcast <laughs> because they wanted to, on this night of sitcoms, they wanted to do that, have the episodes be the theme of uh, three funerals and a wedding. Uh-huh. And so, you know, each, you know, three of the episodes had to have a funeral and one would be a wedding. And so, uh, Phil Sims, okay, well, we'll have a funeral for the rat, the rat mascot in the office. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like, I'm just that attitude of, I'm not going to play your games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, we need to do like a retrospective at some point of like the weird corporate synergy or like mm-hmm. the night of X yeah. that NBC would do uh, back in the day. Like I remember there was one uh, where like there was a one of the in the first episode of the block of four sitcoms, a character caused a blackout. And then the next three episodes were during the blackout. Yeah. Uh, I do, but yeah, I remember that. No crossover of characters, just blackout. That, yeah, that <laughs> was, they were all in the same city. Yes, these are happening in the same city at the same time. Uh, uh, I, I know they did a Green Week a couple, maybe a couple of times because um, 30 Rock. Oh, there's an Office episode about recycling. Yeah. And where then, where uh, Dwight Schrute does his like recycling mascot character. Uh, which was making, I may have been making fun of a, a recycling mascot character on 30 Rock, which was already a parody. <laughs> <laughs> but like also Al Gore showed up on 30 Rock to talk about the environment. Oh man. Nineties ago. It was a different era than yeah, what we have. Like now. We, That's for like, sure. <laughs> you, your students uh, in college have no idea. <laughs> and I if mean, you... A lot of them have watched. Um, I mean, the, the office is more yeah. 2000s, but a lot of them have watched friends. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them have watched sign. Like they've seen these. But, and, and now that I think about it, like, it's very strange to me. Cause it's like when my dad would show me uh Star Trek, the original series, you know, you know yeah. when we were watching that as kids, like I realized that's what my students now watching Seinfeld uh, <laughs> or friends is like, it's like, Oh, those are period pieces for you. Yeah. Uh, but long like, ago. they have no idea of like how 
viewing, like you had to sit down and view at a certain time or you were likely to miss it. Uh, or or, or, or like you, the idea that there would be like a night of, uh, yeah. cross, of thematic crossovers yeah, or that would be happening across. Like that's why was that ever a thing? Yeah, <laughs> it's one question. It was, but also it's so divorced from how media is consumed today that exactly. it's really hard to conceptualize it. Yeah. like no, no shows could try it. Well, they could try and do it. It would not get tra- as much traction. Yeah. All right, John, do you have any final thoughts about news radio? Which I think is kind of a forgotten gem. Of I, this well, like I said, era. it was uh, when you talk about the 90s sitcoms with people, they'll mention the big ones. And then if they're real fans, this will come up, always come up as the honorable mention as the one that uh, should be uh, one of the gems that, but uh, kind of slipped away because it was on 11 different night uh, different well, time slots and also like the the true tragedy that uh yeah. you know foil Harmon was killed uh you know and we, we lost um you know uh, from all accounts uh like just a kind great human being uh to, to everyone that worked with him and a true comedic genius yeah uh and you know he was he, he was a father like it, it's just the layers of this tragedy just like the the if you ever go read about it like you're just gonna be sad it was <laughs> i um, I, well, I remember it because i was uh, like i was a fan of the show when it was being broadcast uh-huh. And I remember the struggle of trying to find out when it was on, mm-hmm. but also, you know, with the time when the news came out, uh, came out about uh, Phil Hartman's death and just the feeling of that this is surreal, that, you know, this isn't something that happens, mm-hmm. um, but especially, especially in the 90s when these tragedies were less common. Yeah. Um, so listeners, if you are looking for one of those like, oh, I could just watch an episode every now and then when I've got a little bit of time or, before. Or you need bed. something in the background and that yeah. you could just check in every few minutes and it will still tell you what's going on. <laughs> News Radio, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Well, yes, and I will say that part of why doing this now is it was only a few months ago that it became, came to Amazon Prime. And it's the first time that all the seasons have been on a streaming service. Okay, so uh, if you're looking part, for... Uh, so part of why this hasn't achieved the status of some other shows is... They also made it hard to find. Um, but it, it definitely feels distinctly of of a different era. But that might be what you're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, like if you want that uh, bit of escapism, a uh, bit of an unwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an excellent, excellent sitcom for that. And I will just say, like, if, if you've never watched news radio and you like we, we've sung the praises of um, Phil Hartman a lot, you're like, I, I can't really picture him. If you watched any Simpsons in the in the 90s, you're going to recognize his voice as soon as you, you see him on screen at news radio, because he he had a, a handful of characters yeah. that he was in regular rotation uh, doing on the Simpsons. And I believe um, after after his death, they just retired all those characters. Yeah. Um, you know, not, none of them have appeared. So if you, I mean, Simpsons has been on for so long. Uh, it's entirely possible you've never heard his voice if you haven't gone well, back and watched the earlier seasons. But if you were watching early seasons of Simpsons, he was like uh, a utility voice actor for them. Just come well, in and do was, this. Let's just say that one of the more famous episodes of The Simpsons, The Monorail, he is the monorail promoter, which is the, like that Chuckster style is perfect for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Carter Barker kind, yeah. of, kind of character. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast on your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story.
was trying hard not to cough and I failed there at the end. Hold on. I can find my cough button. I, I had the tab up with our script. 